0: Africa Rise and Shine Africa Zorsa Africa Amika Na Unai
1: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We're on DSTV's Audio Bouquet Channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Nosile Zuma, Tabisolo Hoko, and Figilin In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, The United States Supreme Court will today hear challenges to the Affordable Care Act over a Republican case to invalidate the law. Many South Africans will be on the hunt for a good deal this month and retailers are gearing up for the sales rush. And in economics news, Telkom Kenya in a bind for charging private data service providers thousands of US dollars to use the national optic fibre backbone infrastructure despite the expiry of a government contract. And in sports news, John Rum nails an impressive hole in one ahead of the Masters. But first up, news with with Zuma.
2: SABC News, independent and impartial, from an
3: African perspective.
4: Thank you, Lulu. Good morning. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres has appointed Alice Wairimon Deruto of Kenya special advisor on the prevention of genocide. Deruto
5: succeeds Adama Dieng. Sarah Kimani reports. A statement from the Secretary General's office said in derito, has been a recognized voice in the field of peace-building and violence prevention, having led as a mediator and senior advisor in reconciliation processes among communities in Kenya, as well as in other African settings. She served as a commissioner of the National Cohesion and Integration Commission in Kenya between 2009 and 2013, as well as a founding member and co-chair of the Uyano Platform for Peace, a prevention agency linking early warning to the response in Kenya, Tanzania's opposition presidential candidate Tundu Lisu on Tuesday
4: finally left his temporary refuge in the residence of the German ambassador in Tanzania for Belgium. Lisu has been in the residence days after he lost the elections to incumbent Dr. John Pombe Magafuli and called for mass action to protest the outcome. He says he had been receiving death threats after he disputed the results. Sarah Kimani reports.
5: Tanzania's government finally allowed Lisu to leave the country. And while the police have insisted that they are not aware of death threats against the politician, Lisu sought refuge in the German ambassador's residence in Jerusalem. Lisu told journalists at the airport that he was not fleeing, but he was out to explore other avenues to continue the fight for democracy and human rights. He is the second opposition politician to successfully leave the country, fleeing what they term as political persecution. Ethiopia
4: state affiliated Fana broadcaster is reporting that the military offensive against forces loyal to the Tigray region's local government have killed 550 extremists. It is also reporting that another 29 members of Tigray special forces and militia have surrendered in the restive northern region. Earlier, the African Union called for a ceasefire in Tigray. The region's leader accused Eritrea of sending soldiers across the border. Hundreds are reported to have been killed. airstrikes and fighting in an escalating conflict some fear could slide into civil war. United States President-elect Joe Biden has expressed a quiet confidence about the transition underway despite the lack of a concession from President Donald Trump, which he called an embarrassment. Trump and senior Republican leaders are so far refusing to acknowledge Biden's win as they pursue their unconfirmed claims of fraud through the courts. Biden also downplayed the fact that the federal government had yet to sign off on his win and allow funds to be released to his transition team a move that would also allow him to receive the daily presidential intelligence briefing, as is a tradition for the winner of an election.
6: I think that uh, the whole Republican Party has been put in a position, with a few notable exceptions, of uh, um, being um, mildly intimidated by the sitting president. Um, But there's only one president at a time. He's president. Uh, we're going to have the Electoral College. will be making their judgment uh, in December. It'll be announced in early January. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope to get a chance to speak to Mitch.
4: And in South Africa, the Opposition Democratic Alliance in the Free State Province says the imminent arrest of ANC Secretary General Ace Mahashule will go a long way in restoring public confidence in the justice system. The Hawks issued a warrant of arrest for Mahashule on Tuesday relating to an irregular tender of over $1.6 million to audit houses with asbestos roofs when he was Premier of the province. He will appear in the Bloemfontein Magistrate Court on Friday. Free State DA legislature member Leona Klein-Hans says action against Mahashule is long overdue.
7: We've just received the information that an arrest warrant has been issued uh, for the arrest of Ace Mahashule, former Premier of the Free State. This has been a long time coming. um, On this particular asbestos case as the Democratic Alliance we started working on this by going to court in July 2015. So it's more than five years now but at last um, this man will face justice and will have to explain all his actions in this province which has brought poverty unemployment and destruction to the free state
4: for channel africa i'm nosihle <laughs> zuma
2: sabc news independent and impartial from an
1: african from perspective, perspective. perspective. Thank you, Sisley. It is seven oh seven Central African time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. The United States Supreme Court will on Tuesday hear challenges to the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, over a Republican challenge backed by the administration of President Donald Trump to invalidate the law. President-elect Joe Biden will also address the issue of health care and saving the AAC in a speech expected later in the day. Show by Bryce Peace reports.
8: Joe Biden was vice president when the law was enacted and worked alongside former President Barack Obama to pass the historic legislation which has come to be regarded as their greatest and signature domestic achievement. The Supreme Court upheld earlier challenges to the law by a slim majority in 2012 and by a larger majority in 2015. Listen to Vice President-elect Kamala Harris during recent Senate hearings to confirm the latest Supreme Court justice.
9: The Supreme Court could be just one vote away from overturning the Affordable Care Act and all of its protections, including for everyone who has a pre-existing condition or may ever get a pre-existing condition. In other words, the Affordable Care Act and all its protections hinge on this seat and the outcome of this hearing. And I believe it's very important that the American people understand the issues at stake and what's at play.
8: The fate of some 35 million people's access to health care hangs in the balance. The Supreme Court justices, of which there is now a 6-3 conservative majority after the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett, will hear 80 minutes of arguments in an appeal led by Democratic states after a Texas district judge's decision to invalidate the law was upheld by the Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit last year.
9: Republicans are scrambling to confirm this nominee as fast as possible because they need one more Trump judge on the bench before November 10th to win and strike down the entire Affordable Care Act. This is not hyperbole. This is not a hypothetical. This is happening. And here's what you have to know. People are scared. People are scared of what will happen if the Affordable Care Act is destroyed in the middle of a pandemic.
8: Republicans have worked tirelessly to gut the law since its passage in 2010, failing to repeal the act legislatively on numerous occasions. But in 2017, they did succeed in repealing an individual mandate penalty incurred when individuals refused to get coverage which risks invalidating the entire statute as Obamacare also became a central issue in the just-concluded election. This was President Trump during the final presidential debate in October.
6: What I would like to do is a much better health care, much better, will always protect people with pre-existing. So I'd like to terminate Obamacare, come up with a brand-new, beautiful health care. The Democrats will do it because there'll be tremendous pressure on them, and we might even have the House by that time.
8: Joe Biden also weighed in during the same debate.
6: The fact is that he's already cost the American people because of his terrible handling of the COVID virus and the economic spillover. 10 million people have lost their private insurance and he wants to take away 22 million more people who have it under Obamacare and over 110 million people with pre-existing conditions and all the people from COVID are going to have pre-existing conditions. What are they going to do?
8: The court could also decide to sever the parts of the law they deem to be unconstitutional while maintaining the bulk of the statute. Republicans, though, argue that with the individual mandate penalty reduced to zero, that the law in its entirety becomes unconstitutional, and the entire statute should therefore fall. I'm Sherman Beers, in New York.
1: United States President-elect Joe Biden faces enormous pressure to catch up with Europe and other developed countries in the fight against climate change. America formally withdrew from the historical Paris Climate Agreement last week, three years after President Donald Trump announced his country would pull out of the multilateral agreement. In fact, the Trump administration has not only neglected climate action, it's reversed many gains made in previous administrations. The world. Resources Institute says Biden, whose campaign had a strong focus on climate action, brings some relief and a lot of hope. Noma Bolani reports.
3: Not even an office in the US President-elect Joe Biden has already committed his country to re-signing the Paris Climate Agreement. Next month, the world will commemorate the fifth anniversary of the most ambitious multilateral document on climate action. The current administration led by President Donald Trump seemingly has been committed to repudiating more than 100 environmental policies, laws and agreements, reversing the progress which had been made in previous years. During the recent election campaign, Biden made climate change one of his priorities along with fighting the coronavirus pandemic. Now environmentalists are saying that Biden will have to hit the ground running in order for America to be on par with other developed countries. WRI's Vice
10: President, Helen Montford. Um, Indeed, anyone who cares about the climate crisis is now breathing a huge sigh of relief. The U.S. is officially back in the game. But the diplomatic terrain has also fundamentally shifted from where it was when President-elect Biden last served in the White House. And we need to bear that in mind. First and foremost, as Andrew said, is really rejoin the Paris Agreement on day one he's committed to doing so, we expect that to go ahead. That's not gonna be enough on its own. Second, we need the US to submit an updated national climate commitment under the Paris Agreement, and well before next November's COP26 climate summit.
3: mountford says other G20 countries have continued to step up ambitions through policies, laws and action in the fight against climate change. She says these nations recognize the urgency of climate action even in the
10: midst of the COVID-19 challenges. So we've seen just recently, China has announced a a target to zero out its own emissions before 2060. Japan, South Korea, and South Africa have announced similar net zero targets for 2050. And the European Union, of course, in the last year has passed a green deal and has dedicated 30% of its total economic stimulus package and its next multi-year budget to climate action. So we're seeing some real leadership in the G20.
3: Another key component to fighting climate change is providing financial support for developing countries who are bearing the brunt of climate change. Without funds or technological support, it will be difficult to help prepare the global south for climate impact, adaptation, and an easier transition to a strong, inclusive, low-carbon economic transition. The WRI Sustainable Finance Associate, Joe Thwaites.
11: The Obama administration in 2014 pledged $3 billion to the Green Climate Fund, and that actually made it the largest uh, pledger to the fund. Uh, they delivered a $1 billion of that pledge, uh, but the Trump administration refused to advance further payments. So the Biden administration has said that they will recommit to the, uh, the Green Climate Fund, um, and uh, we interpret that to mean that they would be working to deliver that outstanding $2 billion to the GCF. Um, There's also a strong expectation, both from developing countries and partners in Europe, that the U.S. would go further uh, to make up for this lost time. Uh, Last year, developed countries made a new round of pledges to the the fund. Uh, Many of them doubled their contributions. So there will be some pressure on the Biden administration to step up and match this level of effort.
3: Many believe Biden is the man who will repair America from Trump's poor decisions, and it seems on the environmental front it's no different. The WRI would like to see the USA join the likes of France and Germany in being the leaders of climate action and the Green Revolution. I'm Noma Polani in Johannesburg.
12: WHO recommends 30 minutes of physical activity a day for adults and one hour a day for children. If your local or national guidelines allow it, go outside for a walk, a run or a ride, and keep a safe distance from others. If you can't leave the house, find an exercise video online, dance to music, do some yoga, or walk up and down the stairs.
13: Avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth to slow the spread of the coronavirus. For more information on the coronavirus, visit the World Health Organization site at www.who.int.
1: It's 7.16 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. India's environmental... Court has banned fireworks ahead of the annual Festival of Lights this weekend because of air pollution touching hazardous levels. The restrictions will be in place until November, the end of November and several states warned violators could face stiff penalties including a spell in prison. Rana reports.
14: The court said cities with cleaner air could consider using so-called green firecrackers. But Reena Gupta, a spokeswoman for Delhi administration, argued little was known of the product.
15: Delhi government first looked into green crackers and we realized that the whole regulation of green crackers A. There is not enough clarity what are green crackers do to the availability of green crackers is very low and that is the reason why we said that we, this year at least because everybody's lungs are already so compromised because of pollution and because of COVID we cannot take this uh, chance again because of the Diwali firecrackers.
14: Health experts such as Vivek Nangya said the role of pollution in the COVID-19 crisis meant the ban on fireworks was needed, especially in cities such as the national capital, which is daily reporting thousands of new coronavirus cases. Because the COVID virus is already in the air, so this virus also attacks the same respiratory tract, which was already attacked by the air pollution. So we're actually worsening the air pollution with the firecrackers and creating a very a challenging kind of a situation for our own body to fight out. There's an ongoing inflammatory cascade inside the lungs. On top of that, there's a virus which is ready to invade any time. So the local defense mechanism to prevent this virus from entering the body would be totally missing. Some restrictions would remain in place after November as well. The court ordered and Randeep Guleria, another healthcare expert, explained why he supported the ruling. This is a big cause of concern because uh, as we've seen during the election rallies and otherwise, the physical distancing and wearing the mask has not been there. And therefore, there is a big concern that in the coming few days, we may have an increase in number of cases over the next two weeks. We also have the festive season also coming up and uh, I would really sort of uh, request everyone to maintain physical distancing and wearing a mask otherwise we will have a huge spike in the number of cases in these areas over the next few weeks. The unprecedented judgement has sparked some protests as well. Nearly a million people work for India's firework industry, the world's second largest but now struggling to survive against cheap Chinese imports. Now we are just one week ahead from Diwali. Now it is a time to sell. At that time, you are making a decision to ban. In this period, we do the selling in the last 4, 7, 10 days. And why to make decisions in the last minute? That is my major question. If you tell us in December or November, Jan, even if the corona had come, the peak season was in May, June. If some intimation was given, we would have not bought so much. And that was Vinod Tikamani, a member of an Indian firework dealers association, stranded with thousands of dollars worth of products he had hoped to sell during Diwali.
1: That report by Rana Sen. It's 7.20 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. According to a report by the International Energy Agency, renewable energy will make up almost half of sub-Saharan Africa's power generation growth by the year 2040. The uptake is largely because of improved technology, greater regulations, promoting access and massive reductions in cost. Improving access to reliable and sustainable energy will be critical for economic and social development on the continent. This is the view of Daniel Goldstuck, head of Energy Storage Services at a renewable energy company, solar group. Goldstuck spoke to Mangesi on this issue
16: I like to say that solar alone saves money, but storage solves a problem. Problems can be any of constrained grid where there is not enough power, or an unreliable grid where there are frequent outages, or, or no grid at all where the alternative is, ex- is expensive diesel. So better technology makes solutions more affordable and increases their longevity.
8: No, what is going what is it going to take for the continent to improve access to reliable and sustainable energy?
16: So the one thing is is uh, developing
8: a a more enabling regulatory
16: environment, which includes uh, the development and improvement of uh, grid codes, regulations, and technical standards that that clarify how energy storage projects can connect to a network service provider's grid um, and and in 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 a, in a remote application, the right kind of finance and financial products uh, would, would really drive a, an energy storage market and, and the application of, of energy storages. For example, if a company is going to finance and build a community microgrid for a single community, the effect of a small percentage of, of, of um, participants defaulting on payment could be quite severe. So there needs to be more accessible insurance products to backstop payments. Um, there's there is a lot of money looking for homes in energy pro- projects, but sometimes unlocking these projects require an, an, essentially an alignment of stars
8: and talk us through some of the new technologies that are expanding the energy storage market
16: there's some interesting advancements
8: in battery material
16: uh, that that allow for increased storage capacity uh, a, as well as cost reductions and increased cycle life the um the, which is the amount of times that you can charge and discharge batteries before there is a significant reduction in capacity, and and this this then expands the business case for for different applications for um, the for, for, for as well as the reliability for a, a potential client or off taker installing storage assets on uh, behind their meter if it's a factory on a network or communities that that want the long term. Availability of, of, of energy uh, in, in their microgrid. And, and a, a large driver of, of these cost reductions are better manufacturing techniques, better manufacturing technologies, and expansion of essentially scale of production that we're seeing driven largely by the electric vehicle uh, markets where um, uh, now, all major automakers are, are producing electric vehicles, and that requires a, a large production of batteries, which has much more research and development applied to them to enable um, to, to 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 increase range, to increase reliability, and, and and cycle life of of those batteries. And then, the, the electric vehicles largely rely on lithium-ion um, lithium-ion technologies, and there are other technologies. Such as sodium sulphur, vanadium redox, that have diverse applications, different meets different business applications, um, and and uh, will will we'll cater to different business models that, that we might see uh, on on the market. So one of the other one of the other um, other areas of development, of technology development, are also better understanding of control and management systems to handle different scenarios. So this requires. Different programming, different platforms, uh, different intermediary service providers that will sell software to an integrator who is constructing a, a solar or, or a battery system. Um, and then beyond that, uh, one other aspect to, to look at is, is the improved interconnection equipment that, for example, will facilitate the disconnection and reconnection from a grid. Uh, reliably and and safely.
8: And uh, you'll be one of the speakers at the Virtual uh, Solar Power Africa event, which is set to take place from the 16th to the 20th of November 2020. What are some of the topics that you'll be covering?
16: Yes, I'm quite excited for for a future where there are more buildings with large solar and battery systems that can meet both their own needs but also sell excess uh, energy and access to their storage assets to the network service provider, uh, who can then on-sell these services to to other stakeholders at possibly even a more affordable rate. This then provides better services to all participants in in that network. So these systems can then also ride through outages uh, without interrupting any economic activity, um, essentially therefore preserving jobs. And um, talk. So I'll be talking through some of these business models. Talking through. What we're seeing in terms of the different applications uh, where a client might require, for example, increased increased capacity that the service provider is not able to give them, solutions are out there that can then supplement what they draw from the grid with both battery and, and solar power.
8: Right. And lastly, where can people go for more information on this event? You should take a look at Solar Power Africa
16: or Solar Power Africa. At SolarPowerExpo.co.za, there there will be a lineup of of speakers and uh, further information to to access uh, talks and panel discussions.
1: That was Daniel Goldstock, head of energy storage services at Renewable Energy Company Solar Group, speaking to Samura Mangesi. The Secretary General of South Africa's ruling African National Congress, Ace Makashule, says he is not aware of his imminent arrest. This relates to his alleged involvement in the controversial 250 million rand asbestos contract in the free state while he was premier. Earlier reports suggested that he would appear in the Bloemfontein Magistrates' Court on Wednesday, but as Ndebo reports, Makashule says he is not worried.
17: This seems a done deal. The Hawks have finally confirmed that an arrest warrant has been issued for the ANC Secretary General Ace Mahashule. Free State Hawks spokesperson Linda Stane says he hasn't been arrested as yet, but the warrant has been signed. And she says Makashule will appear in the Bloemfontein Magistrate Court on Friday. It
18: will appear in the Bloemfontein Magistrate Court on Friday. It is in connection with the asbestos matter that was investigated by the Hawks. Serious corruption investigation unit in the Free State. We've organized with his lawyers, and we will
17: have him in court on Saturday. But the ANC Secretary General says he's not aware of the arrest warrant and insists that he hasn't done anything wrong.
2: They always know before all of us. It means they are uh, well informed. They work with the agencies. So let's leave it there. If it happens, it will happen. So I'm not worried at all because I know I haven't done anything wrong as a law-abiding citizen of South Africa.
17: And Mahashule since briefed the ANC on his imminent arrest party spokesperson Pule says they will monitor this development and inform the nation about the developments if necessary.
19: Today, Tuesday the 10th of November 2020, the African National Congress learned through media reports of the issuance of a warrant of arrest against its Secretary General Comrade Ace This afternoon, the Secretary General advised the movement that he will be in consultation with his legal team to best respond to the latest developments and to guide any response on the matter. The Secretary General previously spoke about his imminent arrest and had requested his legal team to establish the validity of such an arrest with the relevant authorities. The secretary general stated on more than one occasion, including through his legal team, that he would cooperate with any process undertaken by law enforcement agents. The ANC will be monitoring these developments closely and will accordingly communicate on any update should the need arise.
17: Mahashule is the most high profile politician to face charges since President Cyril Ramaphosa took over in 2018. Since taking the reins, Ramaphosa pledged to crack down on corruption, which has become endemic in government. Government claims to have lost at least 500 billion rand to corruption in the last 10 years. I am Tebu Kobo in Johannesburg.
8: Across the globe, every second there's always a breaking story.
7: Kolitanjoi for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia.
8: Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time.
0: George Muhango. Channel Africa Blantyre.
20: Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka in Yaoundi. From an African
0: perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa.
8: Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa.
7: In each and every one of us, there, there is, is a purpose and graves. We were all meant to shine. It is up to an individual to, to realize, realize that, that pebbles. You don't ever
18: let somebody tell you, You can't do something. Join me,
7: Amanda Machaga, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their purpose with the hope to inspire you to to live your your life Life by design. Design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose Dose of Monday Monday motivation motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life Life by by Design, be the architect architect of of your life. Only on Channel
1: Africa, be African perspective. It's 7.30 Central African time and our headlines up next with Nusile Zuma.
2: SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African African perspective.
3: perspective.
4: The United Nations Secretary-General has appointed a new special advisor on the prevention of genocide. Clashes have broken out between security forces and protesters in the Peruvian capital. And three people have been killed and over 30 wounded in violent clashes in an opposition stronghold in Ivory Coast. I'll be back with your for Bulletin at 8.
2: SABC News. Independent and impartial. from an African from perspective.
3: perspective.
1: perspective. Thank you, Sisle. The family of the late Orlando Pirates and Bafana Bafana goalkeeper Senzo Meiwa says they are happy that they have finally been able to unveil his tombstone six years after he was killed. Meiwa was gunned down at the home of his singer girlfriend Kelly Kumalo in Fos in the Gauteng province in what was believed to be a botched armed robbery. Fanadem Chong reports.
15: Family and friends attended the unveiling of the tombstone at the Chesterville Heroes Ark in Deben. Some wore white t shirts bearing Meiwa's face with the message, Justice for Meiwa. The family says Senzo Meiwa's father said they cannot erect his son's tombstone until the killers of his son are brought to book. Sam Meiwa died while the family was still hoping for a breakdown in the police investigation. Last month, five suspects were arrested by the police in kwazulu Natal and Gauteng. Family spokesperson Siyame Iwa says before the arrest they had nothing to celebrate and that led to the delay in unveiling a tombstone.
19: Uh, we always had a view, especially through the father, that as a family we had nothing to celebrate because as you know in our culture today's event when we bring back the sense of spirit is a celebratory uh, day. So. We are now today celebrating that, but we couldn't until the people that were responsible had been brought before the courts. So now that at least some people have been brought gives us an opportunity to say at least there's something that we think we can consider in terms of celebration.
15: South African Football Association's Danny Jordan said they see it fitting for them to unveil Maywa's tombstone before the AFCON qualifier match on Friday, but they still have many unanswered
2: questions. We need justice, we need closure. And today we unveil the tombstone at least we can say, since we are very close to the full truth, we know half the truth. We are very close to the full truth and we hope today will take us another step further.
15: Bafana Bafana goalkeeper Itumele Kune is optimistic that justice will finally prevail in the murder of his friend Enso star Senzo.
5: I was so proud of him because we were big dreamers.
0: To lose him, it, it was heartbreaking because I knew we hadn't accomplished everything that we, we, we said for ourselves. And may we so rest in
2: peace. Uh, and I hope we get justice
18: very soon.
15: KwaZul Natal MEC for Arts, Culture, Sports and Recreation, Lengiwema Vimbela says they will continue to unearth young talent in memory of Senzo Meyiwam.
7: Uh, in memory of Senzo Meyua, the Department of Sports and Recreation is committed to strengthening our relationship, to unearth more talented players. Our development programme also includes the establishment of sport academies across our province. This will enable talent youth to be accessed to, through scientific training and facilities closer to our homes the erection of tombstone will help to immortalize senzo meiwa's name as a player a national hero and a role model
15: the five men that were arrested in connection with meiwa's murder will be back in court on the 26th of november i'm
18: fanile mlongo in deben
12: WHO recommends 30 minutes of physical activity a day for adults and one hour a day for children. If your local or national guidelines allow it, go outside for a walk, a run or a ride, and keep a safe distance from others. If you can't leave the house, find an exercise video online, dance to music, do some yoga, or walk up, and down the
18: stairs
13: avoid touching your eyes nose and mouth to slow the spread of the coronavirus for more information on the coronavirus visit the World Health Organization site at www.who.int
1: It's seven thirty-six Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. The United Nations Deputy Secretary General Amina Mohammed has touched in Nigeria in continuation of her visits to some African countries with a message of hope after the economic problems which resulted from the COVID-19 pandemic. In Abuja, the UN deputy scribe had a closed-door meeting with President Buhari, during which they reviewed issues arising from the suspended peaceful protest by Nigerian youth and government's efforts aimed at resolving the issues. Kolezato Hengbe reports that Nigeria's Senate President sees the Opportunity to call for proper attention to be given to issues which the youth raised at the protests.
20: The visit is coming on the heels of numerous consultations going on between government and stakeholders in the NSAS protests, which jolted government's action as it continues to call for calm while it tackles the challenges involved. Amina Mohamed told journalists after a closed-door meeting with President Buhari that the United Nations response is to make sure that outstanding issues from the protests are addressed to achieve enduring solutions.
21: It was unfortunate and we believe that um, in addressing uh, the demands that were made by the young people perhaps this is a lesson that we can take into the future on how um, we engage on such issues I have to say that you know there are many protests around this world that have been exacerbated by COVID because COVID has left people out of work it's left people hopeless um, because of the socio-economic impacts and in many of those protests We have not seen governments turn around and respond as quickly as this government did. Uh, So the UN's UN's response to this is that we must make sure that what happened in these protests is um, uh, we are able to address those issues, those gaps, um, and to begin the reform. In fact, I would say the transformations that are needed uh, to address many of these outstanding issues. And for that, we need an engaged youth and we need an engaged government.
20: Echoing the standpoint of the UN Deputy Scribe was the President of Nigerian Senate, Ahmed Lawal. According to Lawal, it will be foolhardy to leave out the issues raised by the youths in their peaceful protests, because next time, leaders may not be as lucky.
0: They were seeking the attention of leaders, and they got the attention of leaders. So our budget, especially for 2021, should be mindful of what we do to provide employment opportunities for this youth. And for us elected people, we are going to be accountable if we escape this one, the other one is inescapable.
20: At a meeting with Vice President Yemi Osinbajo, where they co-launched the Nigerian UN Plus initiative to raise $250 million for development, Osimbajo expressed gratitude for the initiative and said the fund will go a long way to helping Abuja to resolve the many issues outlined for youth empowerment and development in those areas of urgent attention. This
18: is very helpful to us because we put together a plan that uh, that will cost us $2.3 trillion. Uh, Half of that, as I pointed out earlier, is in the form of loans and facilities. Uh, the other half of it, of course, is uh, budgeted funds. But we still have a huge gap. And uh, that, that gap, I think, has been very well made up for by uh, this initiative.
20: As part of measures planned in the United Nations concern for Nigeria, Amina Mohammed outlined the three basic fronts from where the contending issues will be tackled.
21: This was Um, an incredible movement of young people who were well-organized, well-intentioned, had legitimate concerns and came together to make that felt and to to say to government, you need to take care of these issues that over time um, have been exacerbated and today COVID is making an even bigger mess of it. And the youth succeeded because in the shortest possible time, government responded. um, That that came to be means that the is an engagement and that engagement needs to continue by young people um, making sure they are there and pushing for those demands that they made to actualize Uh, government has to ensure that it has processes in place uh, that are genuine um, that we have confidence building measures because trust is broken on both sides what is the UN doing about that Um, we've been asked to provide support in three particular areas first to make sure that these processes themselves can be stood up um, and can be ones that everyone is engaging in it's because this is a transformation that is going to take time. The second is to ensure we support the, um, the National Human Rights Commission um, in uh, standing up the panels um, uh, that will look and we will investigate um, some of the issues that have happened and that we bring resolution to those in the shortest possible time. The third will be the support that is needed to underpin the police act of 2020 uh, so that these reforms can actually take root.
20: Without that government is not the only entity which is worried about the possible outcome of a repeat protest which by now has started gathering team. Dele Momodu, a journalist, politician and activist, says government and individuals should offer hope for the downtrodden.
2: My fear now is that now that these people have tasted blood, it is going to get worse. And my prayer is that government will do something, because this has now gone beyond protesters versus government. It is now a matter of the rich versus the poor. We must offer hope to Nigerians. Any government that cannot offer hope to its people, there is no way you will not run into this kind of crisis. They lack hope, they look helpless, they feel helpless, they feel hopeless. That is why these things are happening. You see mothers running, you see stamping. Anybody who is not worried about this, who is not alarmed about this, well, good luck to all of us, because these people don't know the difference. They are angry. And when a man is angry, any man who looks successful is a target.
20: As the youths begin to show up in the streets again, the air is tensed and people are discussing in hush tones because of the fear of being charged under the social media rules which government is trying to push into the judicial system against wise counsel. From Lagos, Nigeria, I am Collins Nosara-Turing for Channel Africa News. Across the globe, every second, there's always
2: a breaking story we have withstood the coronavirus storm. Now is the time to return our country, its people, and our economy to a situation that is more normal, that more resembles the lives that we were living six months ago. Following consultations with a number of stakeholders, cabinet decided that the country should now move to alert level one. The move to alert level one will take effect from midnight on Sunday, the 20th of September 2020. This move recognises that levels of infections are relatively low and that there is sufficient capacity in our health system to manage the current need.
0: Channel Africa.
1: Our Economics Update up next with Tabitha Lohoko.
13: Good morning. Zambia ranks amongst the lowest in sub-Saharan Africa in terms of access to electricity services with only 31.2% of the total population having access to power. Of this, 61.7% access is in urban areas and only 4.4% in rural areas. This presents a huge task for government to to narrow the electricity deficit and also for the private sector to tap into Zambia's power market. As government focuses on diversifying the country's electricity generation mix supply, Total Zambia, the French oil and gas company, has come on board by launching solarized service station powered by solar panels. Total Zambia Limited Project Engineer, Mdiela Piri says that globally, the project is targeting to solarize 5,000 service stations with high-efficiency sun power solar panels. Botswana's Treasury has made a downward revision to the earlier projections on the country's mineral revenue. Through the 2021 Budget Strategy paper, the Ministry of Finance and Economic Development says that the outbreak of COVID-19 earlier this year and its associated impacts have resulted in downward revisions in its initial economic indicators estimates. According to the authors of the paper, the downward revisions reflect an anticipated deterioration in tax receipts from both mineral and non-mineral sources. South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa has urged U.S. companies based in South Africa to continue to invest in the country. He was virtually addressing the U.S. South Africa Investment Roundtable. The discussion with the U.S. companies preceded the third annual South Africa Investment Conference that will be held from the seventeenth to the eighteenth of this month in Sandton, north of Johannesburg. President Ramaphosa says more than six hundred U.S. dollar, rather. U.S. companies working in South Africa have been central to the country's investment and job creation drive.
2: These investments remain key to our economic growth and continue to support thousands of jobs, both here in South Africa as well as in the U.S. It is this firm foundation that we want to build upon This is what we want to strengthen as we prepare to host the third South Africa Investment Conference in a week's time. I have no doubt that, as in previous years, there will be a strong showing by U.S. companies and investors at our South Africa Investment Conference.
11: South
13: Africa's opposition Democratic Alliance says while it welcomes the government's infrastructure-led economic recovery plan, it is concerned about the plan's, uh, the plan's lack of detail. The party was reacting after Public Works and Infrastructure Minister Patricia DeLille addressed the National Assembly on the implementation of the plan on Tuesday. The party's Member of Parliament, Samantha graham mari
21: We've heard of financing models, government funding, private funding, blended models, and even green bonds. And the amount of funding being promised is billions and trillions. Worryingly, reference has also been made to borrowing money to fund projects. We desperately need clarity on exactly who will fund and what money on every SIPs if we are to believe the promises of transparency and accountability. We all know that vehicles need to be maintained. So too should the fixed assets of government be. The minister's plan has said nothing about the maintenance of all this amazing infrastructure that's being built.
13: The accused in South Africa's multi-million US dollar asbestos audit case will appear in the Bloemfontein Regional Court this morning seven people and five companies face more than 60 charges of fraud corruption and money laundering related to the irregular awarding of the 16 million u.s dollar tender public protector has found that only two million u.s dollars was spent on the actual audit of asbestos roofs in the free state province national provincial authority spokesperson c si pong there
10: were further investigations that uh, the investigating team still had to follow up on And further, uh, there were issues around what happened at the police station where Mr. Sodi was uh, detained uh, that the investigating team still had to follow up on. And therefore, the prosecutor will therefore give an update in court in terms of further things that would have been added uh, with regard to uh, the indictment. There were further accused that um, we were expecting would be added to the indictment.
13: The U.S. dollar is trading at three seventy nine fifty three Nigerian naira, eleven two Botswana pula, one o seven fourteen Kenyan shilling, and twenty seventy five Zambian Guacha. In BRICS currencies, let's start in Brazil. One U.S. dollar there costs a five roll thirty eight. Russia seventy six rubles forty three. India seventy four rupees nine. In China, dollars changing hands at sixty one sixty one. And in South Africa, it's a trading at fifteen rand fifty one. The U.S. dollar. Is also trading at 75 pence to the British pound and 84 cents to euro. Commodities markets gold $1,880 and platinum $8,86 per ounce. Brent crude oil $43.93 a barrel. Channel Africa from an African perspective.
1: Well, figure our sports update. The Masters, which gets underway in uh, Augusta,
0: yeah, it'll tee off on Thursday, and uh, surely they are preparing themselves. I, uh, I can tell you one thing that happened. It's a, it, people are talking about it right now. It's a hole in one mm. by John Ram. So there's a lot. Even Tiger Woods as well mm. is also preparing himself mm. to play this. So there's a lot of people. Who will be watching this.
1: Give us an update.
0: And in this hour, we tee off with golf news. Spanish golfer John Ram easily nailed one of the most impressive hole-in-ones you will ever see on a golf course while he was participating in a warm-up round for the masters at augusta national on the part three 16th hole ram skipped the golf ball over the water and onto the green grass it landed perfectly on the green and rolled at a nice pace sweeping right to left and into the hole ram says he's delighted
11: yeah pretty nice birthday present can't complain hit my normal t-shirt to two feet and then skipped it and, and made it uh which the craziest thing is the second hole-in-one of the week. Well, yesterday was in four, um, hit a five iron, and we didn't know it went in, all we saw was this. And that's it, there were a couple people on the green, and I didn't know until we got in there, basically got to the green. But the one on 16 today was, was visible, so very, very different. You know, you don't see people skipping it and actually hitting it on the green very often, and to make it to a back pin, I mean, clearly we're all pretty shocked
0: zambia and east african guest nation tanzania have booked their place in saturday's final of the 2020 Kosafa women's under 17 championships currently underway in south africa's eastern cape province both nations sealed qualification with one round of matches still to play the teams have nine points at the top of the five-team pool and cannot be caught which means host south africa and zimbabwe and comoros will play their final games of the tournament on thursday Zambia sealed their sport with a comprehensive 3 0 success over the Comoros on Tuesday at Westbourne Oval. On Tuesday, much to the delight of head coach Kangwa Kaluba.
19: Yeah, for us, uh, we knew definitely that we are going to, to win this game, and the, we informed our players to take it easy, to take it easy also, and to play tactically because we knew that our opponents, our colleagues, are going to play compact football and. We were extremely hard and so hard on us. But uh, what is important from our side is we've gotten the three points and we are looking up to the next game.
0: Zambia qualified for the finals with one more match to spare. They will play Zimbabwe in the final group match on Thursday at 12.30 Central African time at Westbourne Oval. Coach Kaluba says it will be important to reserve their energy for the final at Wolfson Stadium.
19: Actually, that's what is important. Uh, in this regard, we had to make sure that uh, we prepare our children psychologically, knowing very well that we've got uh, two more games to play, and we ask them to also reserve the energy they need to put in in this game. And uh, I'm so proud to say the girls have done a very good job. And where are we coming from, uh, we've got a lot of people that are expecting a lot from the team. Yeah, the family members, the, the, the friends, the coaches. And the leaders, so we are excited. Now we have to continue planning towards the next game and the final as well.
0: In Thursday's other match, Comoros faced South Africa at 15:30 Central African Time at Westbourne Oval. under cricket news, brilliant hostile bowling led by New Zealander Trent Bolt took Mumbai Indians to an emphatic five-wicket victory over Delhi Capitals and a fifth Indian Premier League title bolt struck twice in the first two overs as mumbai kept daily to 156 for seven and the reigning champions raced to the target in 18 overs with skipper rohit Sharma hitting 68. Sharma led the chase in his 200th ipl appearance to inspire the most successful team in the 2020 tournament to add to triumphs in 2013 2015 and 2017 and also in 2019 last year here is victory commentary
8: Season long, the Mumbai Indians have been head and shoulders above every other
19: team, and now the defending champions are champions once again.
0: That's the sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, soar. Africa, amuka na unai.
1: That wraps up Africa, Raz and Sean today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Leander Maume, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info.channelafrica.co.za, WhatsApp on 277 or tweet us at channelafrica1. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news is Sia Jola Mdu. Goodbye and keep safe.
18: Don't make me wait. Make me make me wait. Right. Right. make me wait. Right. Right. make me wait. I make me wait i oh. Love it, love it, love it, sweety. love it, love it, love it, love it love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it,